We looked this morning together and uh, at uh, uh, verse 21 and how the, the Bible tells us of that Jesus, the child, uh, God's son, and what he is to do, what he uh, was sent to this earth to do. The Bible says, for he shall save his people from their sins. In verse 22, the Bible tells us uh, yet a, a further um, broadening upon uh, this child. The word of God says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall uh, be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. If we think of that name, Emmanuel, we're just singing of it, uh, that, that very reminder of the presence of God, uh, being with us. You see, it is at this time that God was physically with them. And may I remind you, God is still physically with us. We may not see him, but he is here. And uh, God is with us. He lives inside of us. Amen. Uh, he, he walks in and through everything we see, everything we know. And uh, this is our Emmanuel. Amen. And he coming down to be upon this earth with us. Uh, and I want you to understand that um, this uh this babe, this child, Jesus Christ, coming down to this world, uh, without which he came to, uh, we often think of who he was and, 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 his, um, and how that he lowered himself to that, that position. But I want you to think upon this. The Bible tells us that Jesus came down to, to a dark and a sinful world. Now, chew on that for a second. That which God allowed, and those people to whom God allowed himself to be among God uh, very easily could and we as we would might picture a king we would think of a, a vast kingdom one that is being sought to be that of the best and, and brought to its, its greatest potentiality and while that was uh, it, it was not that God did not have that goal in mind but yet the people whom he lowered himself to be with that being us sinful people a sinful world a dark world and so tonight, I want, to, uh, I want us to take a closer look at the great joy that Jesus has brought us to within this world. In Luke chapter 2, uh, if you want to turn there with me, I'm, we'll just look at a couple more passages before we uh, come into the meat of the message tonight. Luke chapter 2, in verse number 10, we're brought uh, attention to the uh, shepherds. As they are in the fields, the Bible tells us the angels come, as we know the story. And notice what the Bible says. And the angel said unto them, verse 10, Luke chapter 2, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of, what are those next two words? Great joy, which shall be to all people. You see, it was this babe, this child, Jesus Christ, coming down to this earth, God with us, the Bible tells us, among a sinful people, his desire is that uh, great joy would be brought into our lives. Great joy. This great joy which Jesus brings and offers to all this world, I want us tonight just to think about that very light which God is to this world. That very joy which God is to us. My desire tonight is to uh, only but help to remind us and encourage us of all that God is. As we read it a moment ago in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22, the Bible says, uh, now all this was done, that being the birth of Christ, and all that was, uh, was said to take place, it, it was done that it might be fulfilled, the Bible says, that which was spoken of. 
that fulfilling of a prophecy. In Isaiah, in chapter uh, 9, if you want to turn over with me to chapter 9, we see uh, yet a, a closer look at this, um, this child, this babe who is told to come. Uh, yet before Christ has ever been born, we see um, him spoken of. And in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, he is referred to as that light. Before we look directly into chapter 9, let's look just prior to those verses in Isaiah 8 and verse number 19. I want you to gain a context as to what's happening in this passage. The Bible says in Isaiah 8 verse 19, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that familiar spirit, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, shall not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead. So here are, the, here are these sinful things. This dark world which is taking place at that time. Verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because they, uh, there is what? No light in them. Verse 21. And they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. This is the dark world. This is the sin. And that's why he refers to in verse 22, and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. But then we're brought to verse number one. Notice that wonderful word. The Bible says, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan and in Galilee of the nations. And so we see this judgment of God, which is brought to uh, the, the, the Jews, the, the, the God's people, that is, uh, brought uh, in the form of darkness, in, in the form of, of a battle, of a war. That being through the Assyrians themselves, there is a spiritual darkness. As we read a moment ago in verse 20, the Bible says, there was no light in them. In verse 22, the Bible says, they shall be driven out to darkness. God is allowing them, because of their uh, engulfing into sin, he's allowing uh, this sin, uh, this judgment, rather. You might even use the word, the chastisement, which God is bringing to them, the righteous judge. And the Bible tells us in verse number two, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's worthy of marking in your Bible. Have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath a light shine. So now we see, we might use the word a glimmer of hope. It is God who gives that hope. And we see these wonderful verses to follow. Notice as, as the Bible tells us, in, in verse number uh, 2, in continuing, have seen a great light, they shall dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nations and not increased the joy. They joy before according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of this burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of, of the warrior is of confused noise, and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, read these next words with me, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen? 
This is that light. That light is God himself. That hope is God himself. The joy which is brought in the midst of a dark world is that babe, Jesus Christ. And yet, before he's ever been born, we're given hope by the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that hope? Amen. Aren't you thankful for that wonderful choice of God to bring himself so low upon this sinful world and to give us the opportunity of life within our lives? The Bible tells us that uh, this was a great light. And in verse 3, it says, Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. That is, God multiplied joy to everyone that received the light. He says, and not increase the joy. That's referring to a carnal life. So, the, or a carnal joy. So the joy which they're receiving is a joy through the light. Amen? The joy which they're receiving is a joy as a result of the light. Uh, because of the light. Because of God himself. He's making this, uh, this way possible. This way of salvation. And, and understand these names of God. As we would see any other name within uh, the, the Old Testament and all through the New Testament, the names had a significance, did they not? They all, had a, they all spoke really of their true character and who they were in their very essence. And this, uh, this verse 6, although it's often pulled out amongst this, this passage, this verse, verse 6 gives us such a very description of who God is. But before we look at verse 6, as we will tonight, I want you to notice these three fours that are brought out in verse 4, 5, and 6. You mark your Bible, this would be worthy of noting. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, here in verse number 4, as Isaiah is presenting the reason for rejoicing in the light of the Lord, he gives us the first thing, 4, verse 4, thou hast broken the yoke of this burden. So we see the first thing, the burden has been broken. What is that burden? That is the burden of sin. It is the light of Christ which breaks, the, which breaks away sin. Amen? It is the burden uh, which is broken uh, through Christ that uh, removes that separation which sin brings into our life. It breaks that burden which we are carrying. It is a load of sin. It is a burden of sin. It is that which weighs us down and will keep us upon this earth if we keep uh, letting ourselves uh, roll and, and, and focus upon the sins of this world. But God gives us. Amen. We have hope in Christ himself. And that burden is broken. And the Bible says in verse 4, in giving an illustration, he says at the end, as in the day of Midian. You remember uh, in, the in the day of Gideon himself, in the victory which was given over, Assyri over the Assyrians themselves, uh, there was a great victory that was won uh, through this great leader, Gideon. And yet we are given yet a small illustration of the victory that is had when Christ, uh, this light, this joy is come to this earth. Notice the second thing. The Bible says not only the burden has been broken, but number two, the battle has been won. Notice verse five. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. First John chapter four and verse number four, the Bible says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In the world. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, the Bible says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 verse 37, the word of God says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than what? Conquerors through him that loved us. We've already won the battle. Amen? 
The battle's already been won. Somebody says, wow, we're living in a dark world. No, when Christ came to this earth and he, as, a, as a babe and then died upon the cross for all mankind, we were given light, amen? We were given hope in the midst of darkness. And so it is not that we as Christians should uh, wallow in discouragement as though Satan is, is, is doing something which we know not of. We already know that the battle has been won, amen? Satan has already been defeated. The light of Christ is, has been shown. And so uh, as God is with us, nothing can stand against us. And that's a great thing to rejoice in, a great joy of the light that God brings. And we see yet this third thing in this third four. The Bible says, for unto us a child is born. We see the birth of a child, the burden that's been broken, the battle that's been won, and the birth of this child. You say, uh, we just talked about this a moment ago, but yet we're given a greater des description of who this child is. The Bible tells us that all the world is subject to the rule of this child. Notice, the Bible says, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government shall be upon his shoulder. That is to say, he is uh, seen as the son of God, he is seen as that son of David, as the heir to David's throne, and he is to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, as John 5 and verse 22 uh, refers to. Uh, yet this passage again, for the Father, the Bible says, judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that being Jesus Christ. John chapter 18, verse 36, the word of God says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Then should I not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not far from peace. The Bible tells us that God is to bear the government with all its responsibilities. The world is to be subject to him. It's not that God is so lording over us without giving us any choice, but it's because he is worthy. Amen? It is because he is worthy of all praise. And, and the Bible tells us uh, that his kingdom that he is building is, has nothing to do with this world. The government that is being spoken of here is speaking of that kingdom uh, which he, uh, in heaven, that wonderful place which will go to be with him in heaven for all eternity. God did not come as a babe in a manger uh, to this world um, to, to build a kingdom here. Uh, th this world is a dark world, as we just read. This world is a world of sin. And so we must understand that it is God who's building his kingdom in heaven. May, and may I remind you and encourage you, so we should be building and helping to build the kingdom of heaven. Amen? There is no kingdom worth building upon this earth. There is, there, as, as we can so easily do, we can build our own little kingdoms. But God did not come to this earth to build his own kingdom. God came to this earth to give us hope, to bring light, to give us joy. And so, um, as we see the indication of the very character, the essence, the nature uh, of, of God himself within these names that are given. And as I walk through with you these names, my desire is not to wax eloquent, but simply to remind us of the great light that which we can rejoice in. Notice the Bible tells us he is, what's the first name that we are given? Wonderful. Now, really, we've already looked at he's Emmanuel. He's with us. We know that God has come down to this earth, and that's what the very first part of verse 6 tells us. This child uh, is to come down to this earth. He is that Emmanuel, that God with us. But we see him as wonderful. The same root word used uh, for this word here is 
also used to describe the plagues which were brought upon Egypt. I want you to think about that for a moment. Those plagues are described as wonderful. Turn to Psalm 78 and verse number 12. Keep your finger in Isaiah. Psalm 78 and verse number 12. Why does God say he's wonderful? You know, sometimes that word wonderful can be, uh, we, we, can, we can use it and, and allow it to lose its meaning, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The, the, it is not simply just and only to state that God is wonderful, but he is something to be wondered at. Amen? He is something to be wondered at. In Psalm 78, and we'll look together at verse number 12, the Bible says, Marvelous things did the side of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zion, or Zoan. So those marvelous things that, uh, although in the Hebrew, and we would read uh, um, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Greek form of, the, of these words, that those marvelous things, that wonder which is being described in Egypt, is um, the, the, speaking of the very person of God, the very character of God, Think of those wonders, those plagues. Can you imagine it being in Egypt? Here you've got frogs that are bouncing everywhere. <laughs> it's something to be wondered at. Wow. The flies, swarms of flies, swarms of locusts, the boils, the death of the firstborn. We could go uh, along with all those plagues. It caused an end result of wonder. It was a marvelous thing because what it did is it caused others to wonder at the very power, the very person of God. I spent some time in, uh, um, oh, I'm, it's slipping my mind, well, Giant's Causeway, I'm forgetting if it's in, is it Scotland or Ireland, I forget. Is it Ireland, I believe, yes. And uh, Giant's Causeway is the octagon-shaped rocks. Anyone else ever been to Giant's Causeway? Uh, but it's 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 a really a, uh, one of those wonders of the world, as they call it, and um, it's multiple like octagon-shaped rocks that are all just coming out of really right up along the seashore, and it's it's quite amazing because there's multiple of them just side by side. You have to look it up someday. And uh, but uh, it was quite impressive. We were going up on top, you know, and just uh, taking pictures of ourselves like we were really something to look at. But um, but that was a wonder. Uh, it was spending some time. Uh, at the Great Wall of China and seeing the, 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 the turns and the twists of that Great Wall, uh, another one of those great wonders. Why we call those those wonders of the world? Because there's something to be awed at. This is what is to give us a picture of God himself. He is wonderful. He is to be awed at. He is to bring, uh, it is bringing uh, a jaw-dropping experience. Imagine the children of Israel as they were led out of Egypt and the, the Red Sea being parted, and you're walking through, and I can only but imagine the water as it's being held up in, the, in that dry land. The Bible describes it as dry land, which they're walking on. Did they maybe see fish that were swimming within the water? I know not, but you can cannot help but there's a wonder. I'd be walking through the whole time like this, probably not even knowing where I'm walking. But there is a great wonder. It was a great uh, uh, magnificence of who God is. And so God is not simply being stated as being wonderful. But it, the Word of God is telling us that He Himself is wonderful in His very person. Uh, he brings wonder. He brings awe. And so uh, His wonder surpasses even our own human thought and power. You say, I can't comprehend. Well, that's why He is wonderful. Let us never forget 
uh, the, the wonder of Jesus Christ. Amen? He is a wonderful God, and he is worthy of rejoicing in. It is that wonder which is the life that he brings into this world. Let me bring to you that second name. The Bible refers to him as the Counselor. The Counselor. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, the Counselor. That is to say, he does not need to be surrounded by counselors. He does not need to be surrounded by advisors like other kings. Romans 11, verse 34 says, Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? God is not in need of advice. The Bible tells us that he is a counselor. And to how many people? To all people. He never needs to seek that counsel because it is in him that has hid all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge and all that is necessary for mankind. Amen? What a wonderful counselor that we serve. And this is the very awe-dropping experience. There is no wisdom that... that can ever be sought that could ever exceed the wisdom which comes from God. Let me ask you, Christian, when you are looking for wisdom, do you come to God? It is not God who needs to pull out his library and pull out his books and say, I want to find the answer to that. No, God has all the answers. Amen? He is the great counselor. I just had somebody ask me this morning, they said, what about this? And I said, you know what? I really don't know the answer for you. I have to do some studying and figure that out. There is no thing you can ever bring to God that God does not already know. Amen? God knows all. And that is the very light that he brings. And that is why he is worth rejoicing in. And so the treasures of his wisdom, of his knowledge, may, uh, may um, we just dwell upon his very counsel, which he gives. You know, sometimes the counsel uh, that God gives is not, um, uh, it, it's not, as we may dream for it to be. It's not a message in this time. <laughs> uh, it's not, um, uh, oh, you know, uh, some, some, uh, something happened upon this earth and, and uh, it, you know, I saw those letters in my uh, SpaghettiOs and, and they spelled out something God told me that I needed to go move to Alaska, okay? Uh, I, I, you know, not saying that that couldn't happen and God can't work. He's fully capable of doing so. But the counsel which God gives to us upon this earth is through his word. Amen? The Bible tells us the very reason why we're given his word is so, is so that we can receive his wisdom and knowledge and, and uh, so that we can grow in our wisdom and knowledge of who he is and how to live for him. We have all that we need. We've been given the whole and very word of God. May I say, there is no counsel that I can ever give as your pastor that God cannot give greater. Amen? May I only be but a tool in God's hand, a glove in God's hand, not seeing that my counsel is anything greater than God. You want great counsel? Go to God himself and be reminded of, of the great counselor himself. He is awe-dropping, wonderful, that counselor. And the Bible describes him as that mighty God. Those words, mighty God, literally speak of, uh, and they mean in, in their entirety, a hero of strength. That is God. Or, uh, as I was reading, as some commentators would describe it, he is that God hero, that hero of strength. John chapter 16, if you want to turn there with me, John 16 and verse number 33. John 16 and verse number 33, we've seen God as being that wonderful, that counselor, and now that mighty God. 
This is the light. This is the worth rejoicing in. John 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Once again, this is not a, uh, God did not suddenly, uh, that is, God the Father did not send his son, Jesus Christ, uh, down like Superman, who landed on his two feet, this grown man with muscular muscles, and said, I'm going to come bring light and save you to this world. I'm going to bring joy to your life. No, he did take it. The Bible says he is a mighty God, that little child in a manger. The Bible tells us he is able. Our God is able. He is, the, he is able to save all people from... Uh, from their sins, and this is that very idea that God hero, he is a mighty God because he can do what no man could ever do. Amen? He brings peace like no man can ever bring. There is no great warrior that's greater than God. There is no, uh, uh, there is no um, uh, supernatural uh, uh, being that <laughs> in any way that exists that is more powerful than God. There is nothing in this universe no tanks, no, no ammunition, uh, nothing in, in that we can ever fathom in our mind that could ever exceed the very power of God because the Bible tells us He is that mighty God. Amen? What a wonderful God we serve and a wonderful God that's worth rejoicing in. It is that mighty God that brings life to this world. Aren't you thankful for a God who so loved this world that came down to this earth he gave himself upon a cross. He did remain in the Now that's worth rejoicing in. Amen. The Bible tells us he is that everlasting Father. In Isaiah chapter 63, if you want to look at Isaiah with me, Isaiah chapter 63, we see him as the Father of eternity. The Father of eternity. He is one who eternally is a Father of to his people. This is not a father which will someday pass. Some of us uh, uh, have experienced that time in our life where our father or mother have passed. That's not an easy thing to go through. I cannot say I even fully understand that myself. But to lose your parents is, is a very uh, trying time. But the Bible tells us he's an everlasting. Think of your father. When I think of my father, I think of uh, my father was, is, is not a man that really would always say, son, you need to, as much as he would just simply do, and you learn from the way that he did it. That was how my, I, I learned a lot from the way my father did things more than how he actually told me to do it. And uh, I think of my father as, as, a, as well, one who, um, if I ever needed an answer to something, I'd come to him my father is one that um, he's also my pastor <laughs> one that uh, is as uh, I, I can come to as a spiritual need I just think of him as, uh, in the memories that I have in my childhood of following his footsteps in the snow or uh, building a snowman outside or going out fishing together with him in a, in a rowboat and, and I'm not here to bring you down my memory lane I'm trying to bring you to thought of the very picture being brought to us of who God is. Of all the memories, of all the great things that you can think of your father having done for you upon this earth, we have an everlasting father. 
and a God who forever lives. For all eternity will be our Father. Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 16, the Bible says, Doubtless thou art our Father, through Abraham, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledgeth not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. The Bible tells us that there is no end to his kingdom. There is no end to who he is. God will forever be and has always been our everlasting Father. John chapter 10 and verse 11, we know the verse, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. The Bible tells us our heavenly Father, now and forever, he guards his people. He supplies for his people. He cares for his people. As a father would upon this earth care for his own children. As a father would care for his own uh, livestock. He'd care for his own possessions, his own home as a whole. He'd oversee it. So we have an everlasting father who provides all that is needed. Oh, Our, our heavenly father doesn't have to go uh, out and, and work a job to provide uh, food for us. God's given us everything that we need right here. Amen. <laughs> We have that spiritual food, everything that we need. And we have that assurance that we can come to him at any time. Our Heavenly Father, who is with all counsel, worthy to give that wisdom and knowledge, that wonderful God, uh, that mighty God, that God hero, who saved us from our sins. That's the very God who's with us. Amen. That's the very God that's brought life to this world and joy. We see yet that, that last name that's described to him in this prophecy which is foretold. And then we see yet happening in Matthew chapter 1, that prince of peace. Romans chapter 5, if you want to turn there with me. Romans chapter 5, and we'll look together at that first verse. Romans chapter 5. The Bible tells us that restoring peace to the world is what God has done. Uh, he, he reigns. His very reign itself upon this earth is a reigning in peace. And as we uh, read earlier in Isaiah chapter 9, um, as we uh, look together at um, the him being the, the, giving us the victory over the battle, that peace which he brings, that prince of peace. Romans 5 verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, that is, we are made... Because of our Heavenly Father, that God hero, that wonderful, mighty God who He is. We are made uh, not just as if we've never sinned. We're made with no remembrance or acknowledgement of our sin. We are, uh, there is no even reference to it. No thought and remembrance. Oh, you used to. No. The Bible says we are justified. There's no existence of it. Praise God. Amen. When we're saved, when we receive God by faith, there is no existence of our sins. We are justified by faith. The Bible says in continuing, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, it is Jesus, this babe in a manger, who restores peace. Where we sinned against him, our creator, he now restores peace and as he builds his kingdom in heaven with, for us, the Bible tells us that uh, he, it is a place of peace, a reigning of peace. There, this our God is a righteous judge. He is not a God and a king who will so bring judgment to this world as though he does not care. Because we see God's love, John 3, 16, uh, in that God so loved this world that he made that way of salvation. Amen? The Prince of Peace. 
He's made a way of peace. He's building us a home in heaven, a place of peace. The kingdom which, uh, which God is in today is a place of peace. And so uh, John 14 and verse 27 brings us further meaning. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not the, your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. O Christian, we have nothing to fear, nothing to fret, nothing to be discouraged about. Because we have the Prince of Peace. Amen. We have a king who sits upon his throne, who reigns in peace. He brings peace in his very leadership. And when we keep our eyes upon him in obedience to him, he will bring peace, further peace, into our lives. You say, yes, I already have that peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, verse 7. It is beyond our own understanding, that peace that God gives through salvation. But God brings further peace when we live in obedience to his kingly, lordful leadership, his wonder and his awe, his mighty power and in his counsel that he brings the everlasting Father. The Bible says, he is a prince of peace. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 7. It yet continues upon this, uh, this um, uh, verse. If you want to look at the words, maybe you've got them before you. Isaiah 9 verse 7. Of the increase of his government, the Bible says, and peace, there shall be what? No end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen? The Bible tells us that the government is a government of peace. Yes, the government shall be upon his shoulders, but it will be one of peace. Amen? God brings that peace. This peace and government are mentioned together. Boy, we don't see that today so much, do we, unfortunately? But that's why the Bible tells us, in this world we cannot find peace. Don't let yourself, Christian, lose your joy in who God is by wallowing in the government and the leadership of this world. Because the truth of the matter is, it's not any disrespect to our government and our world leaders. It's to say, we're all sinners. <laughs> they can never bring peace like my Heavenly Father can bring. Amen? They, they can never bring peace like our mighty God can bring, like our great counselor can bring, like uh, our little... Baby, who was born in a manger, has brought to this world. As we understand, most governments find their increase through war, through uh, uh, other things of that sort that really bring frustration, frustration and heartache and even death in some cases. But unlike any other kingdom, this kingdom of God is one that will grow through the very means of peace, through the very uh, uh, working of God now not just what he has done and will do on the earth, but what he can do in you. You see, that Prince of Peace, when we understand his position in his kingdom, and we are nothing to be but soldiers in the army of God, so now we're falling in allegiance to him, and now we are becoming God's men, God's women, following his kingdom. That is to say, Christian, you can bring peace to somebody else's life by sharing with them the gospel. Amen? What a wonderful opportunity that is, that we can be ministers of God's peace. 
that we can be uh, preachers of the gospel, that good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news of Jesus Christ, yes, it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that way of salvation which is made possible, but in its very essence, it's what Isaiah chapter 9 is described to us as being. It's, it's, it's the good news of Christ that is that Emmanuel, that wonderful, counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father, and that Prince of Lord, I pray that these things would so encourage us tonight. May we rejoice in the light that you bring and have brought upon this earth. Lord, we know that we have that peace that passes all understanding within our own hearts of knowing that you are working in and through us. But Lord, I pray that we would do our part as Christians to rejoice, to uh, allow ourselves to um, be compelled by all that you are in our life. May it motivate us, even in this new year, with a fresh reminder of you coming to this earth in the form of a babe and what you've accomplished. May it compel us to do more, do all we can with the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we think towards this Christmas season. May we give you all worthy and praise. May we give you your rightful place. May we, may we not allow the dark things of this world to, uh, to cause us to build our own kingdoms. But may, may we dwell upon your splendor. May we be in awe of your wonder. May we come to you for all counsel that is needed. May we fall in love with you as our everlasting heavenly Father. Lord, we understand your mighty work and the peace that you bring. Help us, we pray. Sincerely and always and honestly remember this life and rejoice in it in our very spirit and all that we do as obedient, our, uh, uh, as obedient um, soldiers in your army. May we do and obey as you would lead 